During the time of year uh, when we are decking the halls and celebrating the preparations for Christmas, that season of Advent, uh, other things are going on even here in our community as there are families that are remembering another festival that in this passage of scripture is actually referred to as the festival of dedication. You may have heard it referred to as Hanukkah. And uh, that coordinates very closely with some of the preparations of Christmas for us. Uh, The Jews that share together today in remembering that celebration are remembering something that even predates Jesus. It is fascinating that the history is that the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes took over the temple in Jerusalem for the purpose of building an altar where he could worship his gods. Of course, you can imagine that this was devastating and an affront to the very nature of worship of God in that place. It was in 165 BC that Judas Maccabeus and his brothers began a revolt which lasted a period of eight days, even longer, in which they reclaimed that territory. One of the miracles that is celebrated in this festival of lights called Hanukkah is that the oil for the lamp there in the temple, that they thought they had only enough to keep burning for one day, it lasted eight days. And so even to this time, Jewish families will light eight candles during the season so that the precious miracle might be remembered. So ends the little bit of a history lesson at the beginning of this sermon. I want to ask you if you've paid attention to this passage of Scripture and how the leaders that came to Jesus engaged him in conversation. They asked a fascinating question. How long will you keep us in suspense Gail O'Day, who is a, not only just a, a wonderful scholar of the New Testament, particularly focusing on the Gospel of John, says that this might better be interpreted, how long will you continue to annoy us? Because annoy them he did. Uh, not so much intentionally, but by his very nature, they could not understand what he was up to. They wanted him to be very plain in the way in which he represented himself. And they had such a hard time getting the answer that they seemed to want. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. You see, the problem is that you and I come to our sense of belief 
closing out so many options of those other possibilities around us. How often are we open to answers that may be different than what we want to hear? We come with prescribed answers already in place in our minds. Our minds are often made up before we are coaxed by God or anybody else into a different way of thinking. In fact, I will say that one of the realities that I deal with is that on any given Sunday that it is unlikely that there is anything that I can say that will actually change your mind on any subject. Now, I've gotten used to the idea because we preachers are just as hard-headed as you laity are. We come to our thoughts the way that we want to come to our thoughts. And we do not open ourselves to the idea that somebody, particularly Christ, might coax us into a different way of thinking. This is a reminder to us of the incredible importance of openness. You and I have this to bear with each other, that we do not close out conversation or possibilities of thinking in new ways. In fact, it's incredibly important for the church to realize how this is our connection with the world around us. That we welcome persons who are very, very different in order that we all might learn from Christ in this place. This is hard to come to, though, because we have such notions of what's going on. A couple of weeks ago, I picked up the phone to call somebody, and when the phone was ringing, the person on the other end answered and said hello, and I said hello. And before I could say anything else, that person began talking to me, and on and on they talked to me. A paragraph's worth of talk came over that line, at which point I finally saw an opportunity and I told them, I'm not the person you think that you're talking to. (laughs) They were, they, they were going on and on. No, no telling what they would have told me if I had let them go on. You and, I, you and I aren't paying attention to the world around us and listening with the care that we need to. How many of you know the voice of Siri. Have you discovered Siri? I know you have. Those of you who have, have uh, a GPS device, I, I learned recently in listening to a radio broadcast that the actual original voice for Siri, the lady lives up in the greater Atlanta area. They were interviewing her and said, Uh, to her, this is fascinating. And she said, yes, it is. She said, I didn't know that I was being selected when I was 
being interviewed. And she said, in fact, when we were when we were doing the work, I still did not know what it was going toward. And they said, well, how did you do the work then? And she said, all we did was speak syllables, long, crazy phrases. And then they told us that they would be plucking sounds from those phrases. And she said, I learned later that I was going to have my voice scattered all over uh, the United States and the world. But she said that it's interesting that this work really came out of someone's vision to help us to hear in a new and better way. But how many of you have ever found yourself not paying attention to Siri? I talked with someone recently who said to me that they knew someone who believed that they knew directions better than Siri did. And so when they got to a certain point on their journey, they relayed that, that Siri kept saying, go straight. And they said they knew that straight wasn't right and that they were supposed to get onto the interstate. And so they turned Siri off. An hour later, they were an hour further from their destination <laughs> than they thought. You and I close out the idea of listening. These persons that came to speak to Jesus were engaging him in conversation, not because they were connected, but because they were suspicious. Jesus answered them when they came, I've told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. So often we hear people say that we need to believe in order that we can be a part of the Christian faith. It's interesting that Jesus is not saying that exact thing here. Jesus is saying something quite different, and to those that were around him, it was important that they hear it. That first, you come to a sense of belonging, and then are blessed with this sense of belief. This is where it is important for the church to know that by the way in which we relate to those around us, we give the opportunity for them to either belong and to become a part of the church and a part of Christ or we reject the opportunity. Jesus is constantly connecting with this wider assortment of people. Giving them a sense of belonging was the very nature of why he came to the earth. They came to know him by the sense of belonging that he gave them by engaging in relationship with them. When I was a youth down at Epworth by the Sea, we wore out one song by singing it too much. But it is so true. I think that's why we sang it so much. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Do you remember that one? They'll know we are Christians by our love. And Jesus was known 
He was known by the ways in which he related to those that were around him. You and I will be known as well by the ways in which we relate. The story is told of an Amish man who was in the little village nearby where he lived when he ran into an enthusiastic young evangelist who engaged him in conversation and actually ventured out to ask him the quintessential question, are you saved? He asked him whether he had accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the Amish man replied, why do you ask me such a thing? I could tell you anything. He said, if you want to know the answer to that question, here's a list. My banker's name, my grocer's name, my farmhand's name. You go ask them if I'm saved. Do you see the point? Do you get a sense in how we come to know Christ and how those around that were closest to Christ knew that he was their shepherd by these things that tied them to who he was. They knew his voice. They knew who he was. They knew what he was about. Psalm 23 is such a beautiful psalm claimed by the world as being one of the greatest expressions of praise and comfort. Listen to this paraphrase that is from the Good News Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as he has promised. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet before me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honored guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be with me all my life. And your house will be my home as long as I live. Do you get the comfort in that? Do you get the connection Do you sense Jesus near you right now? My sheep know my voice, he says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. I am indebted to David Lose for sharing his reflections on this 
beautiful passage. He says it has such meaning if we would live into it and listen to the assurance that is there. For a child who is afraid for her own safety in her home, a place that is supposed to be a sanctuary that has turned into something of a hell, God sends protection. For the college student who wonders the mounting debt, will there be work when I graduate? Will there be work for me? For the person who fears being stopped by the police because of the color of their skin. And for the police who stops people wondering and not knowing what might happen at any given instance. For the mid-career person who gets a sense that their job might be in jeopardy and fears what that will mean for not only themselves, but their family. For a retiree who has moved away from career only to find such a deep sense of loss of purpose. For the one who is mired in grief at the tragedy of a situation. For a person who has been shattered with the disintegration of a relationship that once they had depended upon. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. As you reflect this day on those matters that you carry in your heart, can you hear the shepherd's voice speaking to you? Can you hear Jesus and do you trust him? that he seeks to draw you close. As we come to the close of worship, I want to open this altar for any who would like to come and to kneel here for just a few moments. If you have concerns on your heart that you need to lift up to Christ, this would be a good moment to do that. If you have never said in response to Jesus, Make me a part of your flock. This is a good chance for you to speak these words. We'll share together in the singing. But this is an invitation for you. This altar is open for you to come and pray.